What's up, fellas, for a special edition for B the uh, Blind Pig, courtesy of BGObsession.com, with the collab from our boys, the Burgundy and Gold Knuckleheads. Uh, John and I were were lucky enough to meet these gentlemen at the opening game, uh, at the home opener, sorry, under the first game without Dan Snyder in 25 freaking years, and hung out at the tailgate, got to watch Washington win the only home game that they won in 2023, so that was, you know, kind of depressing to think about now, this was further, but it was, it was... It was all bright and shiny when we were we were hanging out in the tailgate, hanging out before the game. So we were lucky enough to meet these guys. Uh, before we get going, I will throw it to you guys and say if you want to intro a little bit, where where can they find you on socials? Anybody who might be listening, if they want to find you on Twitter, uh, Reggie, if you want to kick it off, be interested in hearing what you got to say. Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks, thanks, Derek. Uh, but yeah, man, we, um, you know. For our listeners, they know that we are located out in the uh, Dallas area. So we're actually in enemy territory uh, here with the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, so Ken and I try to get to a few. Uh, every game for us is an away game. So even a home game at FedEx Field is an away game for us. And so we'd like to travel to a couple of games uh, throughout the year. And uh, so we were like, we had to be in the, in the building for, for the first game post Dan Snyder. And so of course we flew out to uh, DC and, uh, and was there. And of course we ran into you guys, got to hang out and man, these guys were very welcoming to us and uh, welcomed us with open arms, fed us, gave us a little something to drink and uh, we had a good time, but I did not know until you said that that was the only home home game that they won. I hadn't connected the dots on that because we did win week one. <laughs> but man, for you to say that was the only home game we won is a little, little depressing. Yeah, we should have known because that was not an easy win. It was, and it was in question for most of the game whether <laughs> we were going to win. And that was a game that, like everyone knew, we we could not lose that game. We had to win. Right, right. But, uh, but, but yeah, you're right. And you know, but I think for myself and a lot of us, we thought, well, it was Sam's first game. You know, everything was new. You know, with, with the quarterback and everything. But we did struggle to win the game, but we won. And I think we were all happy, was thinking there's more to come. You know, we only can go up from here. And, and new offensive coordinator, right? Yep. Uh, bringing in Eric Bannamy's system. Uh, you, you thought, you know, it wasn't a great game. Any win is a win. But um, there was a lot of a lot of new in week one. Um, you know, new ownership, uh, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. You walked away with a win. Uh, you know, the – the rain kind of held off. We were expecting a lot of rain, and, and for a while, the, you know, the, all of a sudden it was sunny and warm and everything, and walked away with the wind, man. It was it was a good day to start the season. It was a real good day to start the season. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Oh, That's right. Now that we can officially say that that is in the past, <laughs> um, I am curious to uh, to hear, because John and I are on the board a lot, and we go back and forth, and the board's been buzzing, obviously, over the last few days. But I am curious to hear what your guys' initial reaction is. First, Adam Peters. How do you guys feel about Peters? Ken, go for it. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it was you – know, time will tell how everything works out. But uh, on the surface, when you first hear it, that's a home run, right? Uh, he, he was a hot commodity GM. And, you know, I, I think while we talk about Adam Peters, I think we kind of step back and – and talk about Josh Harris and team on how they've handled everything. 
Um, I think pretty much how they, since they have come along, they have consistently done things the right way that we want as fans to, to see ownership take hold of. Um, he recognized to his credit that he wasn't, he's a new football guy, right? He's a fan, but from an ownership, he's a new football guy. And he brought some guys in to go to help him through the process. He, he was smart enough to know that he didn't know everything, right? The, the, the previous ownership thought he knew everything. Right. And so I got to give Josh Harris credit on doing what it took to do his due diligence to go get Adam Peters, uh, you know, recognize it and and pull him in. So um, I, I was real happy. That was that was a, a great way to start out. And I'm glad he went and got a GM as opposed to getting a coach and then trying to get a GM to fit in. Um, they're going about this the right way. The ownership group is is pairing up, getting their GM, and together they're going forward and getting the coaching staff. And, and I'm sure this will trickle down into the uh, free agency and, and draft as, as we talk about that. And I think the other thing, just to throw it out there about Harris is, in stark contrast to the previous guy, uh, whose name I try not to mention, um, he's not impulsive. And I think the one thing, even though – even though I think a lot of fans would have enjoyed seeing Ron Rivera get canned, uh, like, I don't know, maybe after the Cleveland game or uh, somewhere in there, uh, he didn't do that. And when he was asked about that, he's like, I didn't I didn't see any benefit to doing it. Like, it wasn't going to help the guys on the team. It wasn't going to help us. Uh, so I didn't do that. And I think he's shown that he didn't immediately announce as soon as the uh, as soon as our season was over, who the ne next head coach was or who the you know, there was a process. And it might be a frustrating process for, you know, rabid fans who want to know everything yesterday, but he's just not that impulsive knee jerk. I don't think he's ever going to do anything to appease fans just to appease fans. He's going right. to do what he thinks is right and what his group thinks is right. Well, and just one other thing. I don't know if you guys, obviously I'm the only one local to the DC area, but Rick Snyder was on 1067 today. And they, he came out and said that there, there were literally times that Ron Rivera was coming to work after chemo, and they literally they had to carry him in the back door of the building to get him into his office. So you can imagine, I mean, when we're watching it, if if Harris is watching a guy battle that, you know, as he's taking over ownership, the last thing he wants to do is be, you know, be be a little a little knee jerk or a little you know, sacrificial right. lamb of somebody who's, who's putting up with that. So, so, I mean, that, that makes sense. And like you said, unlike the other owner, he laid out a plan and he's working that plan. I mean, I think it was known before the season that there was no intention to move on from Ron mid season. Like it was going to be, they were going to ride this thing out this way. And in 2024, it was going to be a different story. So so Reggie, what's your what's your hit? What's your take on uh, Adam Peters so far? Okay, let me just wrap up with the with the uh, Josh Harris thing. Josh was asked about it after I think it was the after he had fired Ron, and he he basically said that he told Ron that he would do that, and he was a man of his word to stick to that. So he never had any intention, despite what any of the fans thought. So he had no intentions of letting Ron go midseason. So I, I as a as, as a man to a man, I can appreciate that. Um, in terms of the Adams Peter hire, um, I tell a lot of people, you know, I, oh, I watch football. I can tell you a lot about players. What I can't tell you about 
the the other people. So the GMs and the offensive coordinators and some of the people that that make our teams go. I'm not I'm not an expert on that. So with that being the case, all I knew were who some of the hot up and coming names, uh, uh, assistant GMs of that nature, or even just GMs in general. And Adams Peters was one of those candidates. And I was okay with anyone that was going to come to us from someone that's been in a winning organization. So whether that be someone that has seen the Philadelphia Eagles, how they built their deal, the San Francisco 49ers, or, or any place where there's been success. And again, you come back to Adam Peters. And so with Adam Peters being the big name and all of the people in the football circles kept saying Adam Peter. So I'm like, well, if he's the best guy out there, then hopefully we can get him. So when we did get him, I was ecstatic because we got what is was universally understood as the best candidate on the market. So when we got him, I said, hey, I'm cool with it. I trust it and I'm ready to roll. And I think we were talking about it a little bit before and we'll get into it. And I was telling Derek, I said, I trust Adam Peters to do what he's going to do. And so therefore I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt to do and make any decision he has and trust him until he gives me a reason not to. I think the one thing that jumped out at me uh, when Peters was hired and continues to jump out at me and it also jumped out at me. I know we're going to talk about Quinn in a minute, but he really wanted to be in DC with the Ch Harris group. And that's not something we've had really not at least not, I mean, I know it's early, but both of those guys, that was the biggest thing that came through was how excited they were to be here. And we and we know why we haven't had that in the past, unless Absolutely. it was about the paycheck. But that to me is a totally different thing. Um, I mean, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but when Peters was giving his opening remarks, it sounded like he won an Oscar, man. It sounded like he won the lottery and he was thanking everyone to, you know, <laughs> that got him to Washington, D.C. So that just kind of blew me away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I would and I would piggyback on on the Adam Peters uh, is, you know, you look back at the last few years when where we've been quarterback starved and we can't get any of the free agent quarterbacks to even consider Washington. You know, some of them were, were glad that they didn't end up working out. Um, but, you know, we couldn't even get in the rumor mill, much less anything else. They weren't even using us to gain more money somewhere else, you know? Um, so that, that goes to tell you where the NFL players um, and, and anybody of quality viewed landing in Washington. And, you know, Harris, uh, Peters, and Quinn, I think are, are quickly changing it. I mean, you, you got to win to perpetuate it, but the, the wave is moving in the right direction. You yeah, remember absolutely. that poll they did? I think they did it this season of the players to rank all the different aspects of NFL franchises. Oh, F minus. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, we were, we were, I mean, dead last, almost in every category. I think trainer, they like, we had, we liked our weight room guys or mm -hmm. trainers, yeah. but you know, you know, we can't be bottom, the, the worst in the league in every category, but that, that's, that's kind of what happens when you get, the karma and the rep that we've had is it just, it just tarnishes everything. Nobody wants to come anywhere near it. And and to further your point, John, the fact that Adam Peters was sought after by several teams and he did the interview with Washington. And if you recall, 
he canceled all the other interviews. He hadn't gotten the job yet, but he went ahead and canceled all the other other interviews. So you know, you you can make the argument that he probably had a good idea of where he was going, but the fact was he took the one interview, his first interview, canceled the rest, and again it furthers your point of this is where he wanted to be. So at this point, man, I, I love uh, love that phrase from Mike Tomlin. You know, we we want volunteers and not prisoners. And so the fact that we didn't have to buy uh, our general manager or having to buy our head coaches and overpay for free agents, the tide is starting to turn and it's, and it starts with Josh Harris and now Adam Peters. So absolutely. I love it, man. Mm -hmm. And one, um, one thing I brought up on our previous podcast that is, it excites me the most about Adam Peters is this guy is coming from an organization that traded up to get a quarterback, took a guy last in the draft, and he sat there and he watched the benefits of not letting draft position skew your ability to man manage your depth chart. Uh, yeah. How many franchises would have put all their, their their eggs in one basket with Trey Lance? And Brock Purdy would have just been a practice squad, you know, right? You know, uh, scout team quarterback. Simply because of where he was drafted. Simply right? because of where they were drafted. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. they traded up for Trey Lance and they thought so that – they realized then it wasn't working and they decided to move on. And then they saw this other kid who was capable and they didn't panic. They didn't go out and draft another quarterback early in the first round to try to make up for their miss, you know, mm -hmm. and now he's leading them literally to playing in a Super Bowl in five days. So yeah, I, I, I think that that is an experience that a lot of other GMs don't get. And I'm not saying that that means that Sam Howell is going to be the guy, but what it does tell me is that if Sam Howell isn't the guy, it ain't going to have nothing to do with his draft position or who's coming up in the upcoming draft. It's going to be because they haven't seen what they need to see from him. You know what I mean? And he's not just going to be cast away as a previous regime guy. Right. So, well, Ken, it's funny because Ken talks about that quite a bit and about how uh, if you don't hit, hit on your player, you can't be afraid to be able to cut bait and move on. And we've seen that happen during the RG3 era. And Ken can touch on it. I mean, don't, don't let me speak for you, Ken, but he talked, but you can talk about all the times you've you mentioned that. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, to go back and give, I, I think this is important for any team. Um, if, I, if I'm going to go ahead and give Ron Rivera some credit, remember, uh, Dwayne, he did the same thing with Dwayne Haskins, right? Dwayne Haskins came in, it, it wasn't his guy, but he gave him every opportunity to be the guy, saw he wasn't, instead of just letting him sit on the bench. Now, now granted, Dwayne Haskins was a knucklehead and during COVID and went to a, to a strip club and everything, but he had no problem letting them go. And that was a good choice because that that, that those quarterbacks that you just keep on hanging on, they're, they're an anchor, right? They're, they're dragging you down. Just cut it, cut your losses, and move on especially at quarterback more than any other position. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, uh, you know, Carolina, well, I'll go back to Ron Rivera. Um, not that I'm sitting here trying to praise Ron Rivera, <laughs> but he did it with uh, Cam Newton. Um, Carolina had just selected the the guy out of uh, Notre Dame with the number one pick. Didn't turn out the very next year. They, they went from one first-round quarterback to the next first-round quarterback in Cam Newton. Jimmy and Clawson, are you thinking Clawson? Yes, that's what I'm yes, thinking. That's, that's what I'm thinking of yeah. too. Yeah. So it, it's again when when you know he's not the guy, cut bait and move on. Mm -hmm. So 
I guess the next logical step, because it was a major talking point, was, you know, and I almost don't even want to talk Ben Johnson because <laughs> ultimately he's not here, but there's so much surrounding Ben Johnson. I, I, I am curious to see what you guys think of it. Um, and like the uh, local media for a long, for, for the first three days after that whole thing went down was, oh, they whiffed, they failed to get their guy. Clearly this isn't as good of a destination as we thought, blah. Well, the narrative's changed, but still, do you feel like that? Or are you on the same side I am? And I'll, I'll let you answer before I totally say my side. So I don't okay. lead the witness, but I'm curious how, what do you guys think about Ben Johnson? Well, well, I'll try to keep mine short. So as I mentioned earlier, I, you know, prior to us needing a head coach and everyone talking about the up and coming candidates, I didn't know much about Ben Johnson other than seeing him on hard knocks. Right. Um, and not knowing the the depths of his offense and the, the philosophy of his offense, he was just another up and coming name. So between him, Mike McDonald and all of these other guys, they were just coordinators. I was of the opinion as I said earlier, whatever Adam Peters decides is the best head coach, then that's who I'm going to roll with. What I didn't like was the fact that I had never heard anyone in the organization, including some of the reporters that I tend to trust. And I'm going to start with John Kine. Mm -hmm. No one ever said Ben Johnson was our, was our guy, except for the fans, some of the local and some of the national media. But, but, John Kime and even Adam Schefter kept saying that's not a foregone conclusion. So when the Ben Johnson thing didn't happen, I wasn't disappointed because I'm like, they never told us. And when I say they, the organization never told us that Ben Johnson was their number one target. They just kept quiet and just let the national media just run with this whole theory that Ben Johnson was our number one target. So was I upset or disappointed? Not at all. I just said, okay, well, I guess Ben Johnson doesn't want to be a head coach, at least not in Washington, and that's okay. And if it's not Ben Johnson, then who is it? Now, th the process took a little longer than I actually thought it would take because uh, Josh Harris said it's going to be a rapid but thorough process. So it went a little longer than I thought. But at the end of the day, I was like, hey, man, whoever they pick, I'm good with it. I'm in. Yeah, I think. Go ahead, Wait. John. Sorry. You go, Ken. Go ahead. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, the, the part that concerned me wasn't that Ben Johnson didn't become our next head coach. The concerning part was whether it was him backing out or other coaches getting their jobs, was Washington going to end up with the scraps, right? And and so that, that was the, like the concerning part that – that bothered me is I don't, you know, we, we went after and got the GM that we wanted. I wanted us, I'm not saying we didn't, but initially I was concerned of like, are we not getting the guy that we want? Um, you know, Reggie and I are both in uh, Dallas. So, you know, we see the work that uh, Dan Quinn does with the team. Uh, we see how he's perceived by the team, by the area. And so, I, I was I wasn't overly excited initially. Um, it was almost like the Ron Rivera hire. You know, it was like okay, I'll, I'll give you a kind of a, a polite clap, but it was it wasn't over excitement. As I've been able to sit here and, and absorb it and, and pull it in, I'm like 
Dan Quinn was not a bad hire at all. Not a bad hire. Um, but, no, but, it, but, it, what, it was, but what were your it, thoughts it, on, on the Ben Johnson, though, Ken? You're talking about Ben Johnson. Yeah, but with, with Ben Johnson, it, it was a it was kind of the, I know he's a hot commodity, and I'm not saying he's not worth it, but I didn't see all of it. I liked that he was young. I liked the offense that they put in, but it, it, it just it, it was like a quick snapshot window, and I'm like, I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm just gonna say I don't know about Ben John. Hopeful if he was coming, you know, I'm, I'm gonna cheer him on and everything. But I I was just there wasn't a coach out there going into it that I was throwing my hat in and going, that's that's my guy, that's my guy. Some guys interested me. But nobody that I was all in on uh, across the board uh, at, at head coach, I should say. How about I, you guys? What did you guys think upset. of Ben Johnson? I wasn't upset about when we, you know, lost Ben Johnson and he bowed out. And I'll tell you why, because I've, I don't know if you guys have ever had this where you had a big job opportunity, you went through the process, it was a big step up, but you just, as it got closer and closer to the start date, you just had something in you that it's like, it doesn't feel right. It's one thing to get the job. It's another thing to do the job. Uh, and I, I bailed, I bailed the day before I was supposed to start a big job and I just didn't feel right about it. <clears throat> so I don't, I don't hold anything against him for reaching that point. And I, I'm definitely in the, we dodged a bullet camp because the absolute worst thing would be to have a guy come on board as your head coach. And he himself, doesn't feel like it's the right role or isn't a hundred percent bought in. Now I was upset when McDonald didn't, because that was my guy. I feel like McDonald is, he's like a defensive Sean McVay. He's that smart. And he's got that fiery disposition. Like, I think he is a leader. I think he's going to do really well in Seattle. Um, and I haven't, I had an inside Derek and I have an inside source who, who knows the McDonald's who was feeding us information the whole time he's coming. He wants to come. His wife really wants to stay in this oh, area. Man. Got ties. Yeah, to the Apparently it came like, apparently she was totally distraught, like to the point of. Yeah. That, that because she was, she had her heart set on Washington. He's probably got some uh, recovery work to do <laughs> with his wife. But anyway, that one hurt a little bit because well, she was a former, she's a former Redskinette. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I knew but, that. So that one bothered me more than Ben Johnson by far. But but then I kind of came around to what Ken was talking about that. And I know we're going to we're going to transition into Quinn here. I don't know if we're doing it right now or not. But. Might as well. Well, well I want to hear what Derek thought about Quinn, uh, ben, ben Johnson first. All right. Uh, it, it's coming out now that apparently he's – apparently teams got spooked based on his number, uh, that he was asking for way too much. Um, what, what was that? Two months ago, his agent leaked out that, that their asking price would be 15 mil a year or something stupid, which isn't going to ever happen for a first-time head coach. Let's just be honest. Um, on top of that, then now there's there's poofling in both directions where he 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 didn't like the front office because he felt they were too basketball-oriented and too confident in their abilities and or the ownership group. And, and apparently it came out that he was a terrible – uh, the interview bombed and every and and there's all kinds of stuff going back and forth. And so now I'm with you guys. I think we dodged a bullet. Um, I was I was intrigued by Ben Johnson. My first choice going into the offseason was Bobby Slowick. 
And I only say that because I wanted an offensive-minded coach. I've said this multiple times, and the only reason I want an offensive-minded coach is because if a defensive-minded coach gets hired and he brings in a kick-ass offensive coordinator in two years, he's got to find another offensive coordinator because the guy's going to get a head coaching job. Whereas if an offensive coordinator coach comes in, generally they put their offense in, and then they're running the offense with a pipeline of people that goes from offensive coordinator to quarterbacks coach to then passing game coordinator to tight ends to whatever, where if that offensive coordinator gets hired away, there's 15 other people in the building that are in your bubble that can just naturally become cogs in the, in the wheel that you can continue moving up. That's my only reason that I wanted on offense that I would quote unquote prefer offense over defense. At the end of the day, I just want to win damn football games. I don't give a damn where your predisposition is. And if, our offensive coordinator gets hired away in two years. Well, guess what that means? It means we were winning football games and we've been pretty damn successful. So I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? Let me, I'll, we'll deal with that problem when it becomes a problem, if it becomes a problem, because that's a good problem to have. So um, I, I think we dodged a bullet. I think he seems like a men, uh, the, at least what's been coming out is, is not flattering at all um, with him changing his mind with the fact that, the team didn't even find out about it. It's, they found out about it on Twitter and then got a text message from a couple of hours later stating that this is what his plan was. And it's just, it's not a great look one way or the other. Um, I, I don't blame him if he decided that, you know what, this just isn't for me. I'm, uh, it's not a right fit. You know, that's part of an interview. Uh, the interview is interviewing the team as much as it is interviewing the head coach. Uh, yeah. you know, I learned that a long time ago in my life, in my, my professional life that, that when I walk into an interview, I want to make sure it's going to work for me as much as it's going to work for them. So that's fine. Uh, we, uh, I think we ended up doing well with Quinn. Um, I think he's got shades of Dan Campbell a little bit in his presser. You know, you listen to his press conference. I didn't quite want to run through a wall, but I could see how players really would buy into him. And and we've I've been hearing nothing but positives about Dan Quinn since since he's come here. So, um, yeah, I, I, we dodged a bullet with Ben. Well, we missed out on maybe another op- opportunity. I loved Mike McDonald because all that guy does is just shove it in Kyle Shanahan offensive faces, which you know is two third is a third of the league now. So if you can find that, then I think you're in good shape. But but I still think ultimately we came away with a guy that's going to set us up to be successful, more successful than we've been in the past. If for no other reason than, than the process, you know what I mean? I'm just excited about the process. Owner yeah. picked a GM, GM and owner found their head coach. Head coach is now building his staff. And then they're going to work with the GM and build, figure out their coordinator situation or their quarterback situation, which is the most exciting thing because we haven't run it the right way in 25 years. Right, right. And, and, and I'll just circle back just real quick here to say that I think a lot of people were disappointed because everyone thought that Ben Johnson, the quote unquote hottest, you know, coordinator on the market. And when that didn't happen, it was disappointment. But I think the majority of the people had an issue with the way he handled it. You know, Ben Johnson changing his mind. He had every right to absolutely do that. I think where I had a problem with Ben Johnson was just simply to the, the point that you made there, Derek, was how he did it. He could have. He could have just allowed them to come in, go through the process. Hey, I know you, you guys may be coming for me primarily, but still you got Aaron Glenn here. I'm going to help help my guy Aaron Glenn get an interview. Or you let them know this before 
they come. But to do it in the manner in which you did, I think rubbed a lot of people wrong. Even, even people like us who, who was okay with him changing his mind, it was the method in which he notified the team. And that was kind of kind of Bush League in my, in my personal opinion and in the, in, uh, the way he did that. Well, but, to your point, how would the team – how would he felt if the team went on Twitter and said, uh, yeah, we're not interested in Ben Johnson? And then yeah. when he was supposed to have an interview with them and then ended up waiting a couple hours in, in, in Adam Peters' text messages, Ben Johnson, and said, hey, you know, Ben, it's been a pleasure. We're going in a different direction. I mean, I mean that's some shit Dan Snyder would have done. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's something you could – that's something that might happen in Carolina in that ownership right. group because that's not you know so that that you're right that's where my frustration lies so i'm gonna say something bold i don't think it would have been ben johnson even if he'd done the, that interview i don't i haven't heard anyone say like they offered him the job i've heard that i've heard them say that they offer they made an offer to mcdonald i have not heard anyone say they made anything close to an offer to ben johnson i think he did an interview well and i, I don't think once they talked to McDonald and they had Dan Quinn that they really liked, I don't think he, he was going to be the guy. I really don't get that feeling. Yeah. And, and they were going to to still talk to Aaron Glenn, right? So they still, you know, were going to Detroit to talk to Aaron Glenn. But uh, not not that I want you guys to, to divulge all your insider information, but what can you share uh, now after the fact that you knew about the uh, uh, Mike McDonald situation other than his wife, you know, wanted to stay in the area and really wanted the Washington job. What we were hearing from a former board member was that, um, and I mean, they have close ties to that family, was that he was, a, we actually heard early on that it was going to be like a package deal. Like it would, like we might get, I can't remember the guy's name, but we might get like the assistant GM from the Ravens and McDonald as a mm -hmm. package. Um, that's what we were hearing initially. Then that kind of, fell away once we found out who they were interviewing for GM. Um, but basically what we heard is he wants Eric, it. it was Eric, DeCo uh, Eric DeCosta's the, um, sorry, not to interrupt John. I was trying to put his name out there and now I can't remember what it was, but we basically heard that he wanted it. He wanted it badly. His all about the, all the ties of his family, his wife's family is in the DMV. Um, it's close to his mentors and peers in Baltimore um all of that stuff so i i don't know and i have not i tried not to push it like you wouldn't with anyone who's kind of giving you a little bit of information but i believe it came down to that six-year contract and hit, because no nobody makes a decision that like upsets their spouse without there being a really good reason and i think probably being a the primary breadwinner of the, of the family he's probably looking at look a six-year contract for for a head coach is kind of on uh, it's not it's not totally unheard of, but unless you're, you know, John Gruden, it just doesn't happen for a first time head coach. I think it's right. pretty unheard of. It's Joe Joe Horitz was the name. Yes, he was the uh, director really of player like personnel. That. And even if he doesn't, uh, not that I'm wishing him any bad luck here, but even if he doesn't stay the entire six years, they still have to pay it, right? So right. that's the importance of having that that sixth year that whether he coaches all of them or not, they still have to pay him based on that contract. So, so good, good for him. Good for him. And I think that's another difference between the Harris group and Dan Snyder, at least in previous, you know, maybe not the end tail end of Dan's career, career where he was, you know, getting a little 
watching his dollars and cents, I guess is the way to put it. We would have just paid him whatever the hell he wanted to get him here. Uh, the Harris group, I think they, they like, they could want somebody really badly, but it has to make sense to everybody. And and the thing is too, you just hired Adam Peters. What are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to pay a, a guy who's never been a head coach before more than you're paying your GM or giving them a longer contract. It's a, it starts to get pretty dicey at some point. So, well, and there was, and there was, I guess, reports that have since come out that, uh, you know, you guys are saying they wanted McDonald wanted the job. I don't know where he, he was on the list for the, for the Josh Harris group, but supposedly that they were also looking for someone who had a little bit of leadership, but they wasn't sure they wanted a rookie head coach because they had a rookie GM yeah. And to then have a rookie head coach. So they, they it was rumored that they wanted someone with a little, maybe some previous head coaching experience. So and I which was gonna, it? I was going to say one more thing, Reggie, since you asked the question. The one kind of thing that came out from my friend is that Seattle was more welcoming, or, or I think the sense was they wanted him more. And I wonder if it wasn't that, because I've heard Josh. Harris say about 150 times and hold them accountable. You know what he's saying? He's always talking about like, and he, even in Peter's opening presser, he said, and we're going to hold them accountable for results. So I wonder if the interview didn't have a lot of that kind of language. Like in other words, you know, <laughs> we'd yeah. love, to, we'd love to make you an offer, but you need to understand like we, what our expectations are. And I think that, that might've been a may I'm just speculating, but maybe that just put pressure on him that he felt like, he wasn't getting from the so folks. Seattle Seattle recruited him a little bit better, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. So ultimately we ended up with Quinn. Um Ken, you started talking about Quinn. And uh, like now now I, I am curious, what is your direct com- like thought on Quinn beyond just comparing him to Johnson? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, first of all, if you talk about Dan Quinn, you got to you got to turn your hat around. OK, that, that's 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 what, number one. Uh, if you don't know that already, uh, he's, he's an old school reverse flip your hat uh, guy. Um, but, you know, whether Dan Quinn excited you or not, when you look at what he's at his record, his track record, and he's just been successful everywhere he goes. Um, up in Seattle, went to the Super Bowl, you know, uh, Legion of Doom, went to Atlanta, took him to the Super Bowl. Uh, comes to Dallas, and, you know, that they, while a lot of times Dallas's offense gets all the press, it's the defense that has been the better part the last few years. Um, they've, if there's been a dominating side of the ball in Dallas, it's been definitely more so on the defense than it hit than it has been the offense. Um, the one thing against Dan Quinn is he he's had two big games that didn't go well. Um, he, but he but everybody forgets about all the good games that he's had to get him to those points, right? Um, and and I don't know how much you all paid attention to the press conference on him. Um, he said a lot of good things. The the one thing that I truly valued in a coach that's been around for a while 
is he talked about his defense in Seattle and his defense in Atlanta, and he realized I can't keep running this defense the exact same. The offense is are, are, are changing, and my defense needs to change with it. And so he did, and that brought him the success in Dallas. Um, that 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 is that is that is very telling of of a person of a coach because you know you keep running that that play or that defense that got you to the to the dance. I don't care. It got me there before. It's going to get me there again. And, and people do that to a fault. So, like I said, of his hour speech. When he talked about that, more than anything else he said, a lot of it was just, Coach, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say all the right things. So when he talked about that, that was the thing that made me go, this this, this truly might be the guy that we want here uh, in Washington. Yeah, he. Um, the thing that struck me, and I thought the press conference, I thought he knocked it out of the park. I did, I did feel like at one point, like, I think Josh Harris wanted to turn to him and say, you you got we gave you the job. You don't have to interview anymore. <laughs> I felt right. like he was interviewing, but um, just the humility and also to me the fire. Like he, you could tell he was struggling not to use foul language, which I'm all about the foul language anyway. I'd be fine with it. Right. Like when he said he was going to use foul language, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I was a Green Corps man. I know how to use them. Uh, as a he was verb. definitely holding back. I, you can tell he's holding back. Not not just his language, but I think even some of the energy. I loved that one of the big things, themes of that presser was all about the identity, that whole uh, explosive and physical thing. Because um, we we haven't had that. We had it for like 15 minutes during the 2012 season, you know, at least on offense. We kind of had an identity where, you know, no one knew how to stop us on offense and we put the fear of God into defenses. But we really haven't had – I don't know what our identity has been for the last 25 years. I really don't. Confused. Um, I don't know, uh, but I, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. really got my attention. If we don't know what we're doing. They won't know what we're doing either. <laughs> and then the last thing I'll say about the presser was, and this is one of the reasons why I'm not so, I'm not really worried about like Dan Quinn fixing the franchise and get, and making us a perennial winner. I don't think he views it as Dan Quinn. I think he views it as Adam Peters and Dan Quinn and Joe Witt and Cliff Kingsbury. And I, I think that's where he's at now is he's like, I can't, and he said it a couple of times, I can't do it all myself and I'm, I'm going to screw it up if I try. That made me feel just, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of drank some of the Kool-Aid on that front. <laughs> I was, oh, yeah. One of, the, <laughs> Here we go one again. of the best things that I've heard out of him was that he literally took ownership of, the downfall of the Falcons. And he said where I may, and it, I don't think he said this in his presser, but he said it elsewhere. He said, where, where I made my biggest mistake in Atlanta was after Kyle left thinking I could handle the offense. Uh, you know, thinking that I was, sm I was, I, I was smart enough and good enough to, to take that over and still be, be successful. So I think one of the biggest things about him that we're going to see is that he has, he he truly analyzes himself as much as he analyzes everything around him. Uh, um, I I believe he did say that that was one in his presser. That was one of the things that he did, is that he brought other people in 
to, to basically scout him and tell him what they thought of him and what he did wrong and everything, as opposed to my system is right. My system works. My system, I'm the head coach. I'm the smartest guy in the room, or at least I have the most power, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think that's the biggest difference is that that guy, he's the kind of guy and he's a lot more Joe Gibbs than he is Ron Rivera. And the way that I mean by that is if this team starts out 0-5, you better believe game six, there's going to be something different. You know what I mean? Whereas with Biami and Rivera for that, for that matter, over the last couple seasons, we're not seeing adjustments until midway late into the season. So I think that's one Dan Quinn will be analyzing this team week in and we out with the people that are important to say, where do we need to adjust? What do we need to change? This isn't, why didn't this work? And if it isn't, did it not work because we need to get better at it or did it not work because it's just not going to work and we need to evolve into something different? Most people would agree that the uh, Dan Quinn, you know, killed it at the presser, right? And I know we felt pretty good about Ron's presser, and we, we've 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 seen other pressers that have been pretty good. But Dan Quinn, um, to, to 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 you guys' point, hit a home run. The thing that jumped out to me was the fact that uh, he said a lot of the things that I think plagued this organization for many many years. And that is he talked about repeatedly being lockstep with Adam Peters. Everything that he talked about was working with Adam Peters, right? He shared constantly vision, was right? shared vision, being in lockstep, being in alignment. And, you know, and we've heard that even when Josh took over, we heard it when Adam Peters was hired. And then we continue to hear that same theme uh, when Dan, Dan was hired, Um I like the fact, you know, it goes back to the whole coaching hire. And I know a lot of people wanted the big name or the, the young up and coming. But I like the fact that we have a guy that has, as he put it, did a 360 on himself, had a go at it, realized his shortcomings and decided, as he said in this press conference, I think I wrote it down somewhere, if I get another shot. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He knew how he would go about it if he got a second chance because of that being able to do a self-evaluation of himself. And so we're getting a better version of Dan Quinn than what Atlanta got because he's already done and he's already made the mistakes in Atlanta. So the fact that he's going to come to Washington and, and make those corrections along with by all intents and purposes, what everyone has said, we got the best GM, GM candidate in the market He's going to work with that guy. And the thing about what Dan said that I re that really hit home with me was Dan said, I got one interest. He just want to coach. Dan's not trying to come in like probably what uh, Harbaugh, Vrabel, Belichick, and some of these guys who are going to be coaches and then do a little bit more. Dan says, I want to keep the main thing the main thing, and I want to be able to just simply coach. He's going to let Adam – he's going to work with Adam – get all the players they need. But at the end of the day, I just want to coach. And he laid out, I wish I had the quote here, but he laid out what his vision is of what a coach is. And he said, that's all he wants to do. And the fact that he then went on to say that I'm going to take players, you know, someone would come to him and say, well, this guy's not good at this or that. He says, but I want to know what he's good at. 
And then we put them in position to do that because what have we historically done with players here in Washington? We're a big hole. Absolutely. <laughs> and what did Dan say? Dan said, let's put them in the best spot to succeed. Yeah. He named he named a few players. And the one that stuck out to me was uh, uh, Bennett, Martellus Bennett's brother that was in Seattle. I think the guy was a late fifth round pick. And if you know, Bennett ended up being a perennial Pro Bowl player because he took what he did well and they put him in a position when he was in Seattle and the guy just made plays. So we're now going to either take the roster we have. He's going to put those guys in, 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 uh, in, in a chance to succeed. And then when we draft players. So I'm sitting here like, this is music to my ears, man. I love it. And I love hearing it. And I was like, I'm all excited. So just like John, I ain't going to lie, man. I was drinking the late. <laughs> well, I was he, drinking the yeah. And, and you look at where he has gone. You know, when I talk again about Seattle, uh, Atlanta, Dallas, um, I, I think there's some, some talent on defense here, but, who, who's who's our stud? I'm not talking about on contract. I'm not talking about uh, you know in, in where you were drafted. I'm talking about performance. Who who's the stud on our defense? Right. Interior we talked about all these first rounds, but but yeah. But I, I guarantee you next year, don't know who it's going to be. Might be Quan Martin. Might might be Jamin Davis. Right. Yeah. That everybody's been waiting on. There's going to be one or two people. It, it might be a rookie. It might be a free agent. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be people that everybody that we play against and that all the fans are going to know, that guy's for real. That guy's for real on defense. And we haven't had that since Dexter Manley, you know, uh, London Fletcher. Uh, you know, it, we're, we're going back. Um, and, and it's not because we haven't had talent here. It's coaching. It, it, it's coaching and putting them in, in, in the right uh, position and doing a scheme to you know funnel defenses in, in a direction or funnel an offensive direction that frees up your your guys to do what they do best. Um, and and Dan Quinn has has again proven it everywhere that he's gone that there's going to be a couple players that stand out that haven't in the last couple of years. I agree with that. I agree with that. Because because again. It's not it's not because we don't have talent on this team, but I, I think these guys are going to to pull that talent. This this is and again, maybe because I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I, I feel like this is going to be somewhat similar to if you guys remember when Jeff Fisher was out with the Rams and they were terrible. He got fired. They brought in Sean McVay and, and immediately nothing changed other than the coach. They still had that's the year he had golf. Nothing changed. And all of a sudden. It was, he became boy wonder. And then I think after that is when they ended up changing over and going with Matthew Stafford. But I think that we're going to see a change in this team uh, probably immediately in terms of our players. I, I don't know what that's going to equate to record-wise, but to Dan's point, we're going to be a physical team, and I think we're going to see a totally different – we're going to look like an NFL team, I believe, every Sunday, win or lose. Well, and – Again, I'm going to uh, to simplify things back to the dejected fan that I am. The process was done correctly. So I'm not saying that Dan Quinn's not going to work out, but guess what? If Dan Quinn doesn't work out, he's also not the GM. He's not the guy that's picking the color of the pants we wear on Sundays. He's not the guy, you know, he's he's not 
everything else in the franchise that that if if they decide in three years to move on from him, mm-hmm. we have to reset the entirety of the franchise. That's you know what I mean. Like it's just it, it's it's just an, an enlightening experience to go through it this way to the point where the system has been developed and it's been built and it's been, the process has been put together well enough. And the head coach only has to worry about coaching football games. Yes. You know, and. Well, I like to piggyback on that because over the last couple of years, Reggie and I have gotten into some heated conversations about who's to blame. Right. (laughs) Who's to blame for this or who's to blame. Is, Is it, is it Snyder? Is it, uh, Rivera is it who because to your point who who has all the control who's stepping on whose feet right mm-hmm. I have my opinion Reggie has his opinion but we know ownership is the ownership the GM is the GM the head coach is the head coach the coordinators are the coordinators it, everybody's got their line everybody's got their role and mm-hmm. not that everybody anybody's not going to work with everybody else and give their opinion and influence, but the buck stops at every single one of those places for the people that are responsible for those roles in that job. Yeah. And we, ultimately we, we look like an organization guys. We look like an official organization. Right. And, and ultimately how much, how much can you even believe in what we've seen over the last couple of years when you have so much, so little confidence in the people that are guiding them and training them and coaching them. But to your point on the coordinators, Ken, uh, this, this, uh, this, what was what was Harris's term? Thorough, but but quick, um, rapid but thorough. Rapid, yeah, rapid but thorough. Went rapid but thorough. GM, we had to take our time, head coach, and then rapid but thorough kicked right back in for coordinators because it was within thirty six hours that they, well, forty eight hours. We were talking about you know. Kingsbury and Joe Witt. Um, now, I, admittedly, I know nothing about Joe Witt other than the fact that it seems like his uh, his secondary has a nose for the football. Um, so I'll uh, I'll give him that. And in Kingsbury, it looks like that guy he has his name attached to a lot of premium quarterbacks. Now, do you want to give him credit, or are you just attaching it? I don't know. Um, but I, I think. Kingsbury is a violent shove of an offense into the 20 into the 20 into 2024. Like I think the offense is going to take a massive massive evolution towards a current day offense. What do you guys think? Go ahead, John. Well, you heard uh, I don't know if you heard or not, but Pat Pat Mahomes uh was asked questions about Kingsbury out at, you know, as he's getting ready to be in another Super Bowl. <laughs> he uh and he just raved about him um you know and basically in a nutshell what he said was that what he loved about Kingsbury is that he didn't try to put him in this box like this is what a quarterback does this is how you play the quarterback position he just tried to help him be better at what he did well so he didn't he didn't try to make him into a pocket passer or or, or try to contain what his natural instincts were he just made him better at doing the things that he already did pretty well. So, and I just heard a little blurb from Matt Ryan talking about um, Dan Quinn saying uh, good things, but Baker Mayfield, Davis Webb, Patrick Mahomes, Case Keenum, Johnny Manziel, and Caleb Williams. That's a pretty good list of young quarterbacks that you helped. I mean, I don't think anyone could ultimately help Johnny Manziel, but 
you know. Well, the Johnny Menzel he helped was in college, not the NFL. Right. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's a pretty impressive list. Yeah, I think um, I, I I really like Cliff Kingsbury as an offensive coordinator. I don't want him as my head coach, but I think if he's your offensive coordinator and that's the role that he maintains, um, I, I like it. I think he's got the innovative uh, offense that is challenging. It's different than what NFL teams, uh, a lot of NFL teams run, so – it's so, so the teams that you you play have got to make a shift, right? A lot of times it's just some little subtleties from one team to another team. It's gonna be it's gonna be more than a subtlety with uh, Kingsbury's um, uh, offense that he runs. I think there was a perception also that he just airs it out like uh, like the enemy did. Um, I went and looked at his years at. Um, Arizona, and he's he's at about 45, 55, about 45 1% run, 55 passing. In today's NFL, that's that is right on par. Uh, to evolve yeah, on so that, PFF apparently broke it down, or somebody broke it down, where it was it was neutral down in distances. So it was taking out when the team's down by 14, it's taking out third and 31. It's taking those things out. Neutral distances, he's 51% run, 49% pass. And just, okay. just to give a little bit more support for what Ken said, they were – their offense was pretty good in Arizona. I mean, you had a rookie quarterback, but they actually were top 10 rushing def- – excuse me, top 10 in rushing yards three mm-hmm. out of the four seasons he was there. They were only top 10 in passing one season, the season they went to the playoffs. But, I mean, so they had a good rushing attack with the air raid offense. And he had no offensive coordinator in Arizona. It was all it was all Kingsbury. I mean, I'm right. sure he had coaches, but he was calling the plays. For me, when I first heard about the Cliff Kingsbury, you know, just human nature, I immediately thought about the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals didn't really excite me uh, when I thought about it. But then you have to remember he's being hired for his – his style of offense and his work with the quarterbacks that that John was naming. So he has his history with all these guys in college. And then, of course, uh, working with uh, uh, Kyler. So then immediately I thought, OK, well, what, let me look at some of his stuff here. And so to your to your point, John, you mentioned about the rushing, but I can't I can't overlook the fact that. What went into them to be top 10 in rushing three of those years was Kyler Murray. It's kind of like Baltimore Ravens using uh, Lamar Lamar Jackson as part of their run game. Well, at that point, that's what they call stealing yardage, right? And when you have a guy that can do that, it helps. But from a traditional running, I don't know how to subtract Kyle Murray's yardage from that as part of their rushing. But nonetheless, he was clearly willing to run the ball, and and uh, which is good. I think we all were screaming for a little bit more of that uh, for our team this past year. And uh, but total offensive ranks, rushing and passing, with the exception of his first year and his last year, he was they were sixth and eighth, respectively, uh, in total offense. So that included their rushing and their passing. So I said, okay, you know, to Ken's point, Cliff Kingsbury, the offensive coordinator, I can live with it. The head coach, I'm not sure that I'm ready for him to be our head coach, but as a coordinator, 
to be working hand in hand where he's only focused on the offense and, oh, by the way, combining that with if we end up picking a quarterback at number two, he's shown that he can work and design an offense around young quarterbacks, a la Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to force the young quarterback to be a certain kind of way. He's going to probably try to work with the strength of that quarterback as they continue to develop him and turn him into a, a, a true NFL quarterback, a la Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, that's what Baltimore did. They, they used his strength early on, and over the years, they've worked with him to become more of a, a dual threat than just the guy just out there just running around and slinging it on on uh, what they call plays that kind of break down a little bit. So off schedule. I kind of like it, off-schedule plays. So I like it. I, I, I've come around to I'm, – I'm like, okay, I can, I can dig the Cliff Kingsbury. The other thing people don't ever talk about is if you're looking at his pro experience, the guy's in a division. He's in the NFC West with, oh, just the 49ers, the Rams, (laughs) and oh, the bottom feeder, Seattle. I mean, it's not like, I mean, that that is a tough division. That valid point. Um, And he did not, he did not embarrass himself, even as a head coach, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. It shows here that he, he finished fourth in his first year. So he finished last in the division. The second year, they finished third. Third year, they finished second. That was when they went to the playoffs. And then the last year was when they finished last in the division again. And that's what ultimately got him fired. So, but yeah, I'm and okay. Kyler, with and, Kyler, and Kyler was out most – well, Kyler was injured that year also. Yep, yep. Kyler mm-hmm. did get hurt. They, they finished 4-13 that year. Uh, so, so, yeah, man, I – I'm okay with it. And the uh, the Joe Witt situation, you know, I don't know much about Joe Witt other than he's been with Dan. So I like the uh, – He's been Atlanta. with Dan for a long time. Right. So so the continuity and the for, – for Joe Witt to be a conduit of uh, uh, how Dan Quinn likes things and how he thinks, I like that, so that continuity. Um, I was really, really hoping that they would bring over Al Harris – um, to be the secondaries guy, but I, I read today that the likelihood of that is slim. And the reason being the way that league works with the only way since Al is under contract, it wouldn't be a Cowboys. It, he can only come over if it's a promotion and you're right. So since it's not a promotion, he's probably not coming. So. Right. Cause you're not going to, you're not going to give him assistant head coach, secondary coach or, Right, like he, it, you know, since he's not the DC, it'd be hard to, it would be hard to finagle that a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. Since you guys are down in Dallas, we need you to finagle some kind of a scheme to get uh, John Fossil, their special teams coordinator, up here. Is that guy? <laughs> yeah, that guy he's. Uh, yeah, he's something else, isn't he? Like maybe we can make him assistant head coach, <laughs> special <laughs> teams coordinator slash assistant head coach. <laughs> yeah, thing- he's a uh, he's a strange guy too. One thing I don't know if you guys noticed this, just to to circle back around and tie a bow on this, but did you notice that that um, Adam Peters got GM, but he did not get VP of player personnel? Did you guys pick up on that? So, so I guess I, I, my my thought process is that he'll run GM, and if somebody wants to come to him with a promotion, we have a promotion in the bag that we can block it. And boost the pay and keep him here if things are working out. Okay. 
I, could I, I did not notice that, but I just assume he would have all duties, you know, such as that. Um, it wasn't in the title, uh, but it was just an assumption I had. But but if you look at it, there's no – I don't think we have an assistant head coach on offense or defense. So I'm watching this – the way this thing is this, – this, this pyramid is starting to unveil, and I'm wondering, to your point with – with Harris is are we leaving these opportunities where if somebody tries to come poach somebody, we've got a promotion to bring them in and boost the pay and keep them here. I mean, no, like this is where we've, where I have been concerned because now in the past, we don't see where we're thinking three to five years down the road where, Hey, if we're good, we want to keep the band together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like oh, we're yeah. not seeing oh, yeah. that instead we're using those titles to get somebody in the building. Now we're like reserving that, 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 you know, Joker card, that Uno reverse card where, where if we've got it in our pocket where we can keep somebody in the building because they don't suck. Yeah. Don't you think part of it is though that they're, it's the whole collaboration thing um, where they don't want like, I don't know if you guys thought about it, but when they made Eric Bienemy assistant head coach, I'm like, what? I mean, Jack Del Rio, regardless of what you think of him as a defensive coordinator, he's been a head coach in the NFL. Like, <laughs> and you're, right. I mean, I just think in a way it's like you kind of, you can set yourself up to have a, a situation where coaches are like clamp, trying to clamor over each other, you know, as a, almost like a competition kind of a thing, which I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. So I just wonder if we won't see anybody that, as an assistant head coach. And that might even be why they don't want Adam Peters to be viewed as like Bruce Allen, the king of all he surveys. They want him kind of closer to the coaching tree, you know. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That could be Absolutely. totally. Well, well either way, either way, I like it. I like what they're doing so far. Yep. So I, I'm I'm buying it all. Where are you guys at? Zero to ten on the optimism scale right now. Rich optimism. Uh, it's it's funny you should say this it's funny you should say this because we always do every week we do a uh what's your number on the games and it's not your number of of it's just it's nothing more than a confidence level It's a confidence number right it's it's a confidence number and and, you know anything above five is you you think we're going to win we might squeak it out um but yeah go ahead just kind of piggyback that uh, the way you set up that question uh, was kind of the yeah. same thing go ahead rich what's yeah, your number guys <laughs> a little segment on, on our podcast um oh man at this point i'm i'm gonna say i'm at an eight in terms in terms of optimism now i think we all it's been longtime fans we all know that this is the off season and we still have free agency in the draft and training camp and a whole lot can happen between now and uh, uh, August and September, but as of right Not now, I can't happen. A whole lot is gonna happen. It's gonna that. happen. Like, and, and so, but 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 I feel confident that we are laying the foundation for something special, right? As, as Dan Quinn said, we want to find our north, right? Whoever is going to take us, we're laying the foundation with the ownership of the GM and head coach to start turning this thing where we can get back to being a respectful organization. So right now my optimism is, is at an eight. Um, I, I, as I look at it, as we've talked about kind of from the beginning here, um, I like, I really like our new ownership. 
Um, and that's where it starts. Um, I like the Adam Peters hire. I like the Dan Quinn hire. Uh, you know, a, a, as you have to time to, to chew it and evaluate it. Um, the Cliff Kingsbury and Joe Witt, I'm good with everything. You know, right right now I'm good with all the way across the board there. We, we've got our free agency and everything going. But I'm one, as Reggie knows, man, I pump the brakes. And I pumped the brakes the last few years compared to five, six, seven years ago. Um, we are 100% trending in the right way. But I'm I'm at a – and I, this is going to come off as a negative, but I'm at a 6.5 just because, you know, I, I'm like I'm, – I'm at a prove-it point as a fan. You know, I'm, I'm not leaving, but – Man, you 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 pulled the rug out from under my feet way too many times, and somebody's sitting back and giggling while I'm laying on my back, uh, you know, in in like in the cartoon. So <laughs> I'm at a six point five. Um, I am. I think I'm with Reggie. I think I'm at an eight. But guess what? Twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five are gonna have almost no merit on the changing of that rating in my the the reason being is because i'm not worried about 2024 right now we're new ownership new gm new head coach new offensive coordinator new defensive coordinator if you don't sign any of our free agents we're turning over 35 percent of our roster we have 22 players that are becoming free, 24 players becoming free agents going into next season. So to act like this is going to be a team that is expected to win 8 to 10 to 12 games is just unrealistic. But the, my point is, to piggyback on Ken a little bit, the moves that we're making now are going to pay dividends 3 to 5 to 10 years down the road now. Something that we have not looked at. So I'm at an 8 out of 10, but the 8 out of 10 doesn't mean I think we're going to win 80% of our games. It's that we're going to start seeing a process. We're going to start seeing a foundation built, like you said. We're going to start seeing moves and decisions that are made that don't only benefit the guy who's trying to save his job in the fourth year of a five-year contract. They're going to benefit, hopefully, the team for the next 10 years and that's where that's where peters is going to come into it and that's where to reggie's point you got to prove it now now you need to start making those decisions now i want to see the hard decision now i want to see you take the quarterback instead of the sure thing defensive end when i was a full-on fan that was ready to take chase young or vice versa i want to if you if you're that smart guy pass on the quarterback and you take the wide receiver or the tackle it's going to be the all pro for the next nine years and knowing that you can get your guy later. This is when you start to earn your paycheck. This is when you prove us as fans wrong because we're just, you know, myself, I'm just some fat guy watching the game on Sunday, hammering a bunch of beers, asking what the hell's wrong with the roster. Right. I don't know what you know. So prove to me that you know more than I do at this point. So I'm an eight out of 10 because I'm just excited that shit's going to get done right for a change. That's what my optimism yeah. is, man. Go ahead, John. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with eight as well, just because I'm not very clever. 
but if they change the name to something better, they it's like a nine point five. Oh, nine point seven. Oh man! Did you guys notice? I got to ask you this really quickly as we close here. Did you guys notice that Harris did not use the, the name commanders, commanders at this press conference not at all? Once. I don't I, know I if it means not. anything. Yeah. Go back and watch it. He says Washington football. He he never says commanders. I did not. I I wasn't paying that close attention, so I didn't it didn't register me. I think I was more glued into I wanted to hear what Dan Quinn had to say. And I was and I was ready for what the uh the reporters was going to ask, right? Because they had their prepared speeches. So I was really curious to like I was ready to get Josh off the mic. I, I want to hear Dan speak and I yes. want to hear what excuse me, I want to hear what the questions are gonna be asked. So I think J.P. Finley stole my question. I posted a question on Twitter a couple hours before the press conference about asking, telling, asking Josh Harris, like you've been really super involved in this whole process. Is this the point at which you kind of step back and remove yourself from it somewhat? And he he asked it a little bit more politically uh, yeah. appropriate than that. But um, I was I was excited because Harris Harris actually immediately knew what he was really asking and said. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's why I hired these guys. They're the ex football experts. So I was glad to hear yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Probably just my trauma from having Dan Snyder <laughs> pulling the puppet strings for twenty five years. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to be different now, guys, and that's that's why I'm optimistic. Right. So we get we need we need folks to go check out your podcast, the Burgundy and Gold Knuckleheads, on YouTube. And I know you guys also are out there on all the audio pod uh, carriers as well. Um, yeah. Check it out, and we really appreciate both you guys, Ken and Reggie, for coming on. We got to do it again. We got to debate the quarterback situation at some point. Absolutely, man. We appreciate yeah. you guys for having us, man. This was fun, and uh, and we'd love to do this again. We'll have to have you guys on on with us as well, and uh, certainly to get some more input and get you guys thoughts on a lot of things, man. Because I, 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 when the season was ending, I told Ken, I'm just excited about the off season. I don't know what it's going to look like. I just knew a lot of changes were coming and I was hopeful for a lot of positive things. So I was just excited so far to be able to get the GM. Now we got what I think most people have come around to realize we got a hell of a good head coach. Now what we're going to do with player acquisition, the draft, the free agency, I'm just excited about it all. And of course we got a number two pick in the draft as of, as of today, right? It's going to be, it is going to be an intense 90 days. Like there's going to be a lot going on over the next 90 days. There's probably, we it. probably missed something while we were doing the pod. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it, man, and I'm here for it. So, so absolutely. All right, boys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, and uh, Thank you, we'll boys. catch up soon. All right, guys, take Sounds care. Good.